Over the last couple of weeks, we have been in a sermon series called Help, Thanks, Wow. And the series is actually based off of this book by Anne Lamont of the same name, Help, Thanks, Wow. And I recommend that you pick this up. I ordered it on Amazon. It came the next day. Um, It is a great supplemental read as we are approaching Thanksgiving. But her argument is that there are essentially three prayers that help us connect to God and to get us through each day. And they are simply help, thanks, and wow. Help, or asking for assistance for ourselves and for others. Thanks, expressing appreciation for the good that's all around us. And wow, this feeling of awe at the world that God has created for us. And so we have looked at what it means to ask for prayers to help me and to help them, help others. And today, as you've heard from our scripture reading and from our children's moment, we're going to focus on what it means to be thankful or to express gratitude. And as I have been studying the scripture this week, I need to confess to you that this sermon is really for me. So I'm just going to preach it and let you listen in. Is that, that okay? That's a deal. Okay, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we come before you now with grateful hearts and thankful minds and ask that you would meet us right here. Open our ears that we would hear your word, open our hearts that we would receive it, and then, O oh Lord, open our hands that we might serve. Amen. So here we are. We're living through the season of COVID-19 where we have been quarantined, our routines have been thoroughly thrown off, We're staring down an uncertain future. Another lockdown could be right around the corner. And let's be honest, it's just been hard. It's been very hard. Hard for all of us in various ways, and I'm not even sure the emotional toll that it has taken on us collectively yet. But I think that there is something about gratitude and thankfulness that can help us to continue to endure this season. In April, I received a Facebook message. Remember, April was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was from a student who I taught years ago when she was in eighth grade. And I was teaching middle school then, way before seminary um, or becoming an ordained pastor. I hadn't heard from her since she was in eighth grade, but somehow we ended up Facebook friends. And so she sent me this message, and I want to read it to you. It says this. I have been thinking of you this week. I was so lucky to work with people who have become family. When Texas closed schools, everyone I work with elected me most capable of educating their children. (laughs) Ha ha. Monday was our first day of school, and I went home with a migraine and I cried myself to sleep. Yikes. When I woke up Tuesday morning, I thought of you and a high school math teacher of mine, took a deep breath, and resolved to get these kids excited about their education. I have two third graders, a sixth grader, a seventh grader in my class, and we have had so much fun this week. I'm making it up as I go, but I have you as an inspiration, and I hope when they look back on the crazy time and they think of me and the things that I teach them, the way that I think of you. Anyway, here I am, 29 years old, and still inspired by you. Wow, what a message to receive after 17 years. I do remember the student well, And I responded to her telling her that she had made my whole year. I mean, it was so special that she took the time to come back and to say thank you. Not because I deserved it or needed it. Um, It was simply just a gift. And I mean, let's be real. I was 22 when I was teaching her, and I was also making things up as I went along. 
Um, but I, I looked at that teaching opportunity as a ministry to love students. But the fact that she took the time to come back and to say thanks and to express gratitude to a person who had helped her along the way was a really special gift for me. And you know, what it did for me is it made me really cognizant of the people in my life who have done the same for me and who perhaps I haven't taken the time to go back and personally say thank you. I appreciate you. I am so thankful for all that you have done for me. I'm grateful for you. And if I was guessing, I would guess the same might be true for you. Is there someone in your life who has expressed gratitude to you and it just meant so much? Or maybe the better question is, is there someone in your life that you need to express gratitude to or for? Maybe you feel really grateful, but you just haven't expressed it. Andy Stanley, I follow on Twitter, he's a pastor of a big church in Georgia, and he puts it this way. He says, unexpressed gratitude feels like ingratitude to the ones for whom you are grateful. Let's say that one more time. Unexpressed gratitude feels like ingratitude to the ones for whom you are grateful. So in other words, if you don't say thank you to the ones for whom you're grateful for, they have no idea that you're actually grateful. And this expression of gratitude or ingratitude is extremely important in all of our relationships. It can actually determine the direction of your relationships toward health or toward resentment. Because if you don't express gratitude over time, that can turn into this feeling of rejection and no one wants to be rejected and it, it can break apart relationships. It can significantly damage our relationships. That can be with our spouse or our partner, with our kids, with our coworkers, with any critical relationship in your life. Gratitude or ingratitude determines how much of yourself you're willing to entrust to someone else, and it can be the root of the problems that we might experience in our significant relationships. So think about Christmas morning with your kiddos, or maybe even think back to when you were a child. Just picture Christmas morning, and there's all these presents being opened, and what do we always say to our children when they receive a gift? What do we always say to them? We say, adults say, now what do you say? What do you say? What do you say to Nana? What do you say to Aunt Mary? What do you say to Santa? What do you say? And sometimes our kids don't totally get this, and they say things like, well, I don't like this. Or what really got me last year, when our kids opened up tickets to Disneyland, one of our children said, well, I don't want to go to Disneyland. And he quickly changed his tune, but we as parents and adults, we always say, what do you say to our children? Because we're looking for the words, thank you. We expect our kids to say thank you all the time. It's like we as adults, we have this like innate sense that the circle is not complete without a thank you or without gratitude expressed. But I might offer that we as adults are, can often be slow to express it in the ways that we should, or at least I can be. Remember, this sermon is really for me. So the scripture that we're going to look at today is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, that Donna read for us. And some of your Bibles might title this section, The Healing of Ten Lepers. If we look at verse 11, it tells us that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and that he was traveling along the border between Galilee and Samaria. I think we might have a map that shows us where this is, but during Jesus' day, Galilee was in the north, 
and Judea was in the south, and right in the middle of Galilee and Judea was Samaria. And you may remember that the Israelite Jews and the Samaritans did not get along with one another. They were enemies. The Jews believed that the Samaritans were some sort of half-breeds who worshipped on the wrong mountain, and Samaritans thought that the Jews were horrible people, and there was just this really, really bad blood between them. Yet scripture often lifts up the Samaritans. We see this in this story that we read this morning. You've learned about it when we talk about the good Samaritan and the woman at the well who was a Samaritan. So we know that Jesus is heading south, and he comes to the entrance of a village, and there's this group of ten lepers who were gathered together outside of the village. Lepers were those people who had the disease of leprosy, which was thought to be extremely contagious. So all of those who were lepers or had leprosy were banished from society. They were forced to live in colonies together to endure what was considered to be just basically a long-term death sentence. Get away from us. Go die over there. Don't come close. They didn't fit. They didn't belong. And not only did they have the physical pain of leprosy, which could lead to like oozing sores all over your body and pain throughout your nervous system, they also had the emotional pain of being disconnected from society, of being removed from their families, they were not to be touched. I mean, can you imagine never, ever ha feeling the touch of another human, never being hugged? It's hard enough to go into quarantine for two weeks, right, with COVID, but to never, ever have your family be with you for the rest of your life, it's just terrible. It was terrible. They had to announce themselves as unclean anytime somebody came close to them. So as you're walking along, you'd have to say, I'm unclean, I'm, I'm unclean, stay away. It's not a way to exist. They weren't allowed to go to worship at the temple. They weren't allowed to go into town. And then you would often find them gathered together in these colonies in which people normally wouldn't live together. Like in this colony, we have Samaritans and Jews and they were actually in community together. So here are these 10 lepers. They're gathered outside of the village because they're not allowed in it. And they see Jesus approaching. Jesus is walking towards them. And they had heard rumors about this Jesus guy. They heard that he was doing miracles all across the countryside, performing these miracles. And so they yell over to him because they can't go close. They yell, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Please have pity on us. And what's so interesting to me here is that Jesus yells back to them. In, in other stories, Jesus approaches and he lays hands and he touches. But in this story, Jesus yells back to them, says, go show yourselves to the priests. Go, go show yourselves to the priests. Maybe Jesus knows how to keep socially distant too. <laughs> but the lepers would have known what this meant. Because if a leper was made clean... There was this whole process that was outlined in Leviticus 14 that gave specifications on what they were to do. And the first step is that they had to go to a priest who could declare them clean and then they could re-enter society. So Jesus just says, go, show yourselves to the priests. And the scripture tells us that they go and that they're made clean. They were healed miraculously on their way. But what I find really cool here is that they had to make the conscious decision to start walking. Jesus didn't say, 
you're cleansed, now go to the priest. He just said, go to the priest. Go show yourselves to the priest. They had to start walking. They had to make that decision. And we don't know where the priest was. Scripture doesn't tell us. We don't know if there was a priest in the village that they were standing outside of. Or Jesus might have meant, go show yourself to the priest in Jerusalem. That's a two to three day journey to a city that you're not even allowed into. But the fact that they started walking demonstrated that they had to have some sort of faith in Jesus. They had to take the chance and they had to go. And as they did, as they went, and remember, we don't know how long this took, but they started to be made clean. Their skin became healed and their scales were removed and their pain went away. And they went to the priest and told the priest of their healing and they asked for reentry into society. I mean, can you imagine what that would feel like? I'm sure they were dying to go see their families and their wives. I'm sure they were beyond thankful that they had been miraculously healed. I I can't imagine that they weren't thankful. However, the scripture tells us that only one, one out of ten, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus. He throws himself on the ground before Jesus and thanked, thanked God and worshiped God. He recognized that it was the work of Jesus who cleansed him and who made him well. It wasn't simply the journey, it wasn't the priest, it was the king of the universe, God in God's self, who made this person well. And he comes back and he expresses his gratitude to Jesus, and and what I think the story is teaching us is that expressions of gratitude are important. They can determine the health of a relationship. They can determine the health of your mind and of your attitude. And I believe they can even change your relationship with God. Like we've talked about when we ask our kids, what do you say? Now, what do you say when they receive a gift? Adults know innately that gratitude completes the circle, that gratitude needs to be expressed. And it seems as though Jesus does too, because he asks, were not 10 people cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And remember, it was the Samaritan who came back. Only one, one out of ten, returned to thank Jesus. You see, there's something missing without the expression of gratitude. Jesus recognized it. Adults recognize it. If we could have gone back and asked leper number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, are you thankful? I guarantee you, I totally believe they would have said, yes, of course, I'm so grateful. I am filled with gratitude for Jesus. I'm so thankful for this man who gave my life back to me. Nine of them felt it, but only one of them returned to express it. So I think the question today for us becomes, will you be the one? Will you be the one who stops and gives thanks to God, who stops to thank the people in your life who, ex- who have significantly impacted you. We all have those people in our lives, some of whom we might not even know their names, but there are people who have helped us get further than we are now. And when we look back in the rearview mirror of our lives and we see somebody back there, can we reach out? Can we return and say, thank you? Have we expressed gratitude? Because gratitude changes our hearts. Gratitude changes our relationships. Because I I really do believe this. I believe unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude, especially in the important and critical relationships in our lives. It's not enough just to feel grateful for someone. It's not enough to think in our minds how grateful we are. 
we have to express gratitude directly to them. It really can be a game changer. Expressing gratitude like the one who returned to Jesus, it's a game changer not only in our relationships with other people, but also in our relationships with God. In the story we read, the one who came back to Jesus and offered worship and thanksgiving to God, and and Jesus says to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. This man had already been physically made well, but Jesus offers him this even greater gift, the gift of eternal salvation that comes with faith in Jesus Christ. Expressing our gratitude connects us directly to the heart of God. It changes our attitudes, it changes our minds, it makes us become more and more like Christ in the way that we see the world. And that's really our purpose as disciples of Jesus is to become more and more like him. Paul writes it this way in the letter to the Philippians chapter 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You see, our mindset changes when we come to God in prayer with thanksgiving. Our attitudes change when we start with thanksgiving. And the way we do this is to turn every blessing that we have received back to praise of God. The one who came back to Jesus did this. He praised God and he expressed his gratitude. So what would it look like for us to to try this too? I mean, sometimes I catch myself and I can just get into these negative mind patterns, you know, like, oh man, my car is so old, I need a new one, this car is terrible. But what if we just turn that around and said, God, thank you that I have transportation. Thank you that I'm one of the two or three percent of people in the whole world who own a car and who can go from one place to another. Or this is one that comes out of my mouth a lot. Ah, my house is so messy. These kids and these dogs, they're killing me. It's messy all the time. What if we change that to, Lord, thank you that I have a roof over my house or over my head and love in this house. And thank you for these kids and these dogs who express love changes your mindset. Or maybe you, you have this experience. I hate my job. I hate my coworkers. Some of us are there. I mean, what if we change that to, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I have an income. Thank you that I have somebody who I can love like Jesus does, even if I don't like them. Thank you, Lord. Or even this one, I'm so tired of worshiping online. I'm just ready to get back into church. Oh man, what if we said, thank you, Lord, for the ability to gather our hearts, to to connect our hearts and gather remotely. Thank you for this technology. Thank you that we're able to be in a position where we choose to keep other people safe. I mean, you can fill in your own blank here, but turning all of our blessings back into praise of God, it can really transform our hearts and it really connects us to the heart of Jesus. And as disciples of Jesus, the whole purpose of our lives, if you want to know what the, what, what's the point, what's the meaning of life, this is it. The whole purpose of our lives is to become more and more and more like Jesus in the ways that we love God and in the ways that we love other people. And one simple way to do this, my friends, is to express our gratitude, both to God and to the people for which we are grateful.
because unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. In her book, Help Thanks Well, Anne Lamont puts it this way. She says, gratitude begins in our hearts and then it dovetails into behavior. It almost always makes you willing to be of service, which is where joy resides. It means you're willing to stop being such a jerk. When you are aware of all that has been given to you in your lifetime and in the past few days, it is hard not to be humbled and pleased to give back. So my friends, the question becomes this morning, will you be the one? The odds are not in your favor, let's be honest. You've got one in 10 odds. But I think that we can make this conscious and and intentional choice this week as we are going forward to be about gratitude. And so as we go into this week, I wanna offer a challenge to you and it's simply this. I want you to think about these questions. The first one is, who do you take for granted? Who do you take for granted? Who has facilitated your forward motion in life? Who do you owe a debt of gratitude to? And then the challenge is this, I wanna ask you to write three letters to three people in your life. And if you need to write 15 letters, write 15, but I'm gonna ask you to write three. And I wanna ask you to actually write them and send them. Let's challenge ourselves to be intentional about offering gratitude and and intentional about turning our blessings back into praise for God. The student who wrote to me earlier this year, she chose to be the one, and I am so thankful that she took the time to do it. It was so meaningful to me. I've written my three notes. I'm going to drop them in the mail tomorrow. Uh, One is to my doctor, who miraculously helped my husband and I conceive baby Ellie something that I was told would never happen in my life, and I realized I never formally thanked him, and I need to, and so here's his letter. One is to my parents' best friends who um, live close to them and who help care for them while my sister and I live in different states and away from them, Um, and the things that they do to help our family are incredible, and I'm so thankful. And I have a letter to Reverend Donna Whitehead, who's here with me this morning, who's faithfully and courageously paved the way for women in the North Texas Conference across the United Methodist Church. But more importantly than that, she's taken the time to to mentor me and to teach me and to share her wisdom with me over many years, and for that I am grateful. So that's the challenge. Write three notes. Express what you feel. Say it out loud. It's a game changer for you. It's a game changer for them. And it connects us to the heart of Jesus. And so, my friends, may you pause to reflect on the great gift of Christ to you. The one who became like us, who came to the world to serve us, who died for us, who was resurrected from the dead, and who loves us and who saves us. And from that gift, may gratitude overflow out of you. Return the blessings that God has given you back into praise and express your thankfulness for the people in your life. May you know the power of expressed gratitude and may you become the one. Amen.